Welcome to episode four of the Hoop Threads podcast. Here with Adam Ayalu, a good friend with uh, Prep Hoops and uh, Adam Ayalu Scouting Service. What's up, Adam? How are you? Hey, Aaron. I uh, appreciate you for having me, man. This is a great thing that you're doing, so I'm glad that I can, uh, I can be a part of it. Really excited, man. Really excited. You've been really helpful with uh, the interviews I've done so far, so it's good to, <laughs> to finally have you on. So talk about um, the genesis for you of, of, of covering basketball games, um, how you got started, Lake Braddock and college and, and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming up, you know, just always been around the game of basketball. At Lake Braddock, I, uh, I learned from one of the best coaches, Brian Mitris. Um, pretty much learned everything I know from him. Uh, went to Roanoke College, a D3 school. Helped out a little bit with the basketball program there. And uh, didn't really do anything with it until four or so years after I graduated. Uh, got introduced to a, a gentleman by the name of Corey Pegram who was running a site called Vantage Hoops. And I got introduced to him through a couple of mutual friends, uh, Chris Herod, a guy that I was going to college with, uh, who was my college roommate, actually. And uh, Jack Herron's older brother introduced us to, uh, to each other. And I kind of started helping out Corey because he had a website that was covering Virginia high school hoops. Um, and he needed help in the Northern Virginia area. So while I was still working full-time, I kind of just helped out. And after a year or so, Corey decided to kind of get away from what he was doing and going to grad school. So he sold the website to a company called Prep Hoops. And before Prep Hoops came along, you know, I was kind of just helping in my free time. And when uh, when they came on board, they asked me if I wanted to to kind of help them out with uh, building their their network in this area. And they, they offered to pay me. And I, I just thought it was really interesting, uh, their their business model. And I think back then they only had like 12 states, uh, 10 or 12 states that were, you know, being covered like this at a local level. And now I think they're up to like 35 states. So I'm just excited where that uh, that company has been and where it's going you know, to be in the future. Absolutely. What's the best piece of advice that was given? The best piece of advice I actually got from Corey, the, the gentleman who started Vantage Hoops. And uh, that was just to be diligent with everything. And uh, by be diligent, I mean, you know, just uh, going through every day and updating your database because I have a prospect database. And literally every single day, there's something that I could change on that database, whether it's updating a contact information or a transfer or a commitment. Uh, you shouldn't let those add up because it just makes your work a lot harder in the end. So he was just telling me how uh, every single day you have to go in and and make sure that you're, you know, keeping it up to date and things like that. And I think that that advice has really helped me a lot with just how organized I've been able to become today. Yep. I think you told me that there was uh, like something that, that Tom Kanchowski was, was talking to you about that was really impactful as well. Can you speak on yeah. that? Yeah. So Mr. Kanchowski, obviously uh, the most legendary high school basketball scout there is. Um, meeting him, you know, at some games, being able to pick his brain, uh, definitely learned a lot from him. Um, for example, uh, just when you're looking at a player, there's, you know, there's three variables that he looks at. Uh, number one is their pure physical ability. How big are they? How quick are they? How fast are they? How high can they jump? Uh, number two, how skilled are they with the ball? Uh, how well do they handle the ball, dribble the ball, pass the ball, shoot the ball, um, execute fundamentals uh, as it relates to rebounding and defense? And number three is uh, intangibles. Uh, 
So the, your head and your heart, uh, how tough are you? How resilient are you? How adaptive are you? And how competitive are you? And I've kind of just used this as like a baseline for pretty much every evaluation that I do. And uh, definitely have to thank him for that. He also told me about some of the turnoffs that he looks at, um, like having a bad attitude, not being a good teammate and uh, showing poor body language. And uh, the body language thing really resonated with me because um, just because you have bad body language doesn't mean you're a bad kid. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of good kids don't realize the importance of having good body language. So those are some some things that Tom really taught me. And he taught me a lot more than that. But that's just kind of the essence of what we talked about. What's what's something that when you're talking to, uh, to, to prospects like high school kids, what's something you tell them that, that college coaches care about that isn't necessarily, you know, you know, how they're shooting and stuff like that as far as like being. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean just to control whatever you can control, man. Like, like you said, if you're not shooting the ball well, um, are you getting back on defense? Are you hanging your head? Uh, are you still, you know, engaged in the game? Like, yeah, you, you can't control whether or not you really make the shot, but you can control how that affects you, you know? Like, if you shoot 0 for 10, like, what else are you doing to make an impact in the game? Are you, taking, are you being taken out of the game because you're not making shots? Or are you able to stay in the game because you're doing other little things like rebounding, playing defense, communicating, things like that? Um, so that's what I always try to tell players is that uh, no matter, you know, how well you're shooting the ball or, or things like that, you can always control, you know, your attitude and your energy. My high school coach told me something that stuck. He said, you know, he was talking about a kid, Will, that he had on the team at the time. He's like, Will play averages maybe five points a game, but the kid sits maybe three minutes a game every week because he plays defense and he does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the baseline of what I need. You know, if you can give me at least that, you know, you're going to really play. Um, yeah. About, you know, kind of your, your evolution over time, you know, going from just writing about players to doing video work, uh, to doing interviews, to doing, you know, articles, kind of talk about um, that journey. Oh, man. Uh, so when I first started out, obviously, you know, I, I didn't really have a camera or anything like that. So uh, I was kind of just borrowing pictures that, uh, that were already involved at the site uh, that guys like Corey had already taken. And uh, eventually I, I just decided to kind of dabble a little bit with, you know, the photography first. And uh, I bought a little Nikon camera. Didn't really know anything at all about it. And I uh, started taking pictures. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I was horrible at first. Uh, my pictures were not very good to say the least. And uh, a guy by the name of Alex Conover, uh, he works for Prep Hoops in Minnesota, actually. He's a really good photographer. Uh, been following each other on Twitter for a while. He kind of just reached out and was like, yo, I really like what you're doing. And he kind of gave me, and I, he kind of gave me, you know, some tips on how to buy a camera that actually, you know, take good quality pictures. Like, you know, eventually if I wanted to raise the level of my photos. So I took all the advice he said. And, uh, you know, over time, the quality of my photos started improving. And then when I got into the video part, uh, the, the way I got into that was honestly through Hoop Group, um, covering their events, their showcases, their camps, uh, getting involved with the media team there, um, really elevated my game, um, meeting with meeting Ian Finnan and uh, James Nalen and doing the Hoop Major stuff. Uh, we all really kind of collaborated there and made each other better. And that was a lot of fun in terms of, you know, learning how to edit and learning how to record high quality uh, stuff. And I just kind of applied that to, what I was doing already with the scouting and I kind of just tried to blend the two. Next thing is uh, you have, 
you know, you have great relationships and conversations with kids in the area, often from, you know, when they're in eighth and ninth grade, continuing until they're seniors, and obviously, honestly, sometimes in college. Um, you, you know a lot of info, but you really filter out what you put out there mm -hmm. uh, to the public in general. Can you speak on that? Yeah. Um, you just have to kind of, I mean, if, if something, if a player wants to keep something private, you know, you just kind of have to respect their wishes. Uh, there's a lot of people in this game that, uh, in this recruiting game that kind of, um, that don't really care about like, you know, keeping that relationship intact, you know, a, a lot of times you see people just out there to try to, uh, to try to generate buzz for themselves, you know, with some of the information that they put out there, whether or not a player wants it out there or not. So what I try to do is I just try to respect, uh, you know, what the player, you know, wants, for example, like if I hear about somebody committing to a college and, uh, they don't want that information released yet, like, I'm not going to tell anybody, I'm not even going to tell you, I'm not going to tell, uh, Jack or Colby, I'm, I'm literally going to keep it to myself. Um, but there's other people that won't do that. So I, I just, I prioritize my relationship uh, that I've built uh, over time over anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, describe your relationships with other local media members. We're, we're pretty tight knit group out here in the DMV. Yeah, um, there's a lot of us. And uh, I think we all take pride in being able to cover this area. Uh, you know, there's the hotbed that it is, the great talent that's around here. And, uh, I mean, I have a lot of respect for everyone in the media game. You know, it's a grind. Um, right now, I mean, for some, it's more profitable than others, but there's guys out here that aren't making a dime that are working their butt off. And I really have a lot of respect for those guys because, I mean, when I first started coming up, I wasn't making anything either. So I know, I know what it's like to be in that position. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, just more power to everyone who's uh, shining light on all these kids in this area, man. I think it's great what everyone is doing. I've made a lot of great friends like you. Uh, meeting you through Capital Hoops, what you were doing there, you know, in the summer league, I thought you were doing a great job there. And, uh, you know, obviously Mark Stern's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, one of the guys I learned a lot from. Um, so I'm just really happy to have relationships with you guys. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm happy to see what we're all doing for this area. Absolutely. It's good, good to put on for the area. So when, when you're, when I know amongst your team, um, at Prep Hoops, you kind of divide what events you go to, mm -hmm. um, you know, what tournaments and, and uh, showcases and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the time you, you pick uh, gyms and events uh, to cover where the crowd and like big media companies aren't at. Um, right. It's kind of your move. Uh, talk about that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I do like about AAU is you have the, the freedom to go wherever you want at a tournament. Like let's say a game set is starting at 9 o'clock. And there's eight courts. You can choose one of eight courts to go to, you know. And a lot of times you'll see baselines packed, you know, for a certain game. And uh, my goal is honestly just to see in a day. Like, my goal is to literally see as many teams as I can. So if it's a game set where, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a good game going on. But let's say I've seen one of those two teams already. I would much rather go to another game where I haven't seen either team. And that's really kind of my thought process. Uh, I'm not really concerned with like watching a particularly good matchup as I am watching, uh, you know, a new face. So that's kind of what I prioritize is just seeing a high volume of players uh, and a variety of games and not kind of just worrying about like, you know, who's going to be where. Gotcha. Gotcha. A lot of opportunities to find the hidden gems and there's mm -hmm. a lot of those in the DMV for sure. 
Um, so talk about your rankings, what goes into them, um, and, like, do you ever peek at other sites have guys? Yeah, so, uh, like we talked about, that evaluations, uh, there's actually a lot that goes into every evaluation. Uh, so, first of all, you know, before you rank a player, you have to evaluate them and kind of see where you think, where you think they fit in. And then, yes, you do take into account uh, what high school coaches say, what college coaches say, what AAU coaches say. Uh, but you have to take that all with a grain of salt, you know. Um, generally speaking, uh, it's not – I mean, it's not intentional, I don't think. But if I have a player, you know, I'm going to naturally pump them up and try to get them a little bit more buzzing. And, you know, by default, you might end up overhyping a kid a little bit too much. So when I do talk to a coach, a parent, you know, I take all, whatever they say with a grain of salt. I always get great information uh, from coaches and parents and things like that. But uh, you just have to be careful how much you believe everything that is being said. Uh, just take every little bit of information with a grain of salt and try to collect as much as you can and just make the best decision you can. At the end of the day, the rankings are never going to be perfect. But knowing that I put the time and effort into them, I feel good about uh, what, you know, what I'm able to produce because of, you know, because of all that. If you were the czar of high school basketball for a day, <laughs> uh, what, what would you change? This was hard because you didn't let me uh, do shot clock. Yeah, you can't do shot, shot clock. Uh, I mean, only one day. It's really hard to change anything. But uh, I would say no more premature reclassifying. Mm. I think it just puts kids on an unfair playing field. Like, for example, you're watching a 16-new game. Uh, not everybody on the court is 16 or 16 and under. There's kids out there 17 years old going against 15-year-old kids. So in terms of, like, the physical development, it's not an even playing field, really. And it's really hard to judge, um, you know, how good players actually are at that, at that exact time. And also just, just being patient and trusting the process is a lot of is something that you don't see anymore. Uh, for example, a kid goes to a school one year, and he doesn't get any playing time, uh, and he immediately decides to reclassify and transfer. Uh, but instead of just waiting his turn, you know, playing JV, doing whatever he can, it doesn't happen like that anymore. Nowadays, if you're a freshman and you go to a school, you expect to play, play minutes or start right away, which, quite frankly, in a lot of cases, doesn't really happen that often. But uh, the culture that, uh, that I see today is all about, like, short-term – you know, benefit for, for you. But instead of looking at the long-term picture, everyone's just worried about, you know, do, doing what's best for them in that moment. And I just think if everyone was a little bit more patient and decided on whether or not they wanted to reclass after their high school career, I think things would be a lot different. I don't know how it would be, but I just think it would be different. Gotcha. What's, uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, high school transfers, you know, different between different levels, moving to different areas? Yeah. Um, like you, like you just said, you know, when they hit adversity, adversity sometimes uh, transferring is is the move. Um, what are your thoughts on high school transfers and college transfers, and maybe how we can uh, deal with that? I think it's you have to do it on a, you have to look at it as a case by case situation. I think every situation is different. Um, with college, a lot of transfers are triggered by coaching changes, mm-hmm. um, which is what I've noticed. And I, I don't think it's fair to make a kid sit out for a year if their coach gets – if their coach transferred or, you know what I'm saying, loses a job or leaves or whatever. I just don't think that's fair. Um, so hopefully – I think they're going to address that, but I don't know what's going on there. 
But in terms of high school, like I said, um, I think that the high school transfer rate is ridiculous right now. Um, some situations, like I said, are better than others. Uh, they're a little bit better to explain. But overall, I just think we all need to be a little bit more patient and, uh, and kind of just wait it out. But like I said, it's a case-by-case situation. Um, everyone is different. So I, I really don't want to, like, make a general statement. I just want to just kind of say that uh, it's a, getting a little bit too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about um, the, the stuff that went into place last year with the, with the – uh, the introduction of the high school live period and talk about some of the benefits, you know, some of the pros and cons for, you know, the different players in the area. Cause I think that answer is a lot different for, you know, public school players and public school coaches as opposed to private school players and private school coaches. I think some of the pros, uh, the first pro that comes to mind is being able to see a kid in a high school setting with their high school team. A lot of times these college coaches, when they're watching AAU games, they're watching kids in unfamiliar environments and environments where individual performance is prioritized over team performance. And I think in a high school setting, you have a lot more uh, responsibility to the team and, you know, doing what it takes to make the team better. And I think seeing a kid in, a, in an environment, you know, where he's familiar with the coaching staff, he's familiar with all the players, I think that's – it benefits, you know, the coach and the player because the coach gets to see him in an actual team setting. I'm not, I'm not going to generalize like that because some AAU teams are, you know, focused about the team. But mm. sometimes, man, like when I'm watching the AAU game, you go up to a coach before a game and ask them who some of the players are and they won't even know because maybe they just came off – they just joined the team last week or something like that, you know. But like high school coaches are a lot more invested in uh, their players, you know, because they have better relationships with them. So just just being able to see them in, a, in an environment where they're more comfortable playing um, – as far as the cons, I think we talked about this off the air. Uh, not everyone got a chance to play. So there was a lot of kids that didn't get a chance to really get seen, especially at the public school level, which is really unfortunate. Um, and another con, obviously, uh, you would see kids uh, transfer to certain schools just to play in that live period and then not even end up going to that school in the winter, which I thought was kind of odd. Uh, but it was a loophole that people were able to take advantage of. Yeah, there was, there was some finessing for sure. Um, talk about, you know, some of your frustrations with, you know, recruiting. And, um, like, I was just listening to your pod, the DMV Dime, uh, plugging plug that real quick too. Um, the, the frustration with uh, college coaches sometimes waiting for other schools to offer before, before they do, before they branch out. Um, talk about that. Wow, yeah. So I think that's – it's hard for me to really address that because I think it is uh, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. We're talking about people doing their jobs and I really don't like to call people out uh, on doing their job or not. But uh, a lot of times when I do talk to a college coach, um, I genuinely do have their best interests at heart. Otherwise I wouldn't be offering any insight or my opinion at all. So I just, when, uh, when I do, exchange information or I share information with the college coach and they don't act on it. It just kind of makes me wonder, A, how much authority do they actually have in terms of making that decision? And B, how much do they actually trust me, you know? Mm. So um, honestly, I, I don't really, you know, take that 
take any of that very personally at all, but because because I know their jobs are all on the line. And I think what people have to understand is, yeah, an assistant coach definitely, you know, can get into the ear of the head coach, but ultimately he's not the one making that final decision. Uh, and it's hard. It's really hard to sell a coach on a kid when, A, maybe there's no, uh, there's no good evidence, like there's not really much film on a kid or there's just not much productivity to show yet. Uh, or B, like just getting their coach to buy in, man. Like that's, that's probably the hardest thing. And uh, I do, I do really respect a lot of the coaches that, that go out there and search for the info. And it's a lot harder than I think it looks from, from the outside looking in because they do have a lot of choices and options at the, it's really hard to, to, um, to run a college program. And, and uh, I do commend all of them for, you know, their effort. Um, but yeah, it can definitely be frustrating when you're talking to a coach and they just don't listen to anything you say. Yeah. What is uh, <laughs> so let's move on to scouting. Um, yeah. What is one thing you've learned about, um, about scouting that you wish you knew at the beginning and what are some traits that, that you see uh, indicators in the kid that, that show that he'll be successful? Honestly, man, it doesn't, the thing that uh, I want to talk about that I wish I knew doesn't really have anything to do with scouting. It has it to do with presenting yourself the right way. Um, and that's like how you dress. Uh, when I first was coming up, you know, I was always wearing a hoodie, some sweatpants, uh, just trying to look as comfortable, to be as comfortable as possible because I'd be in the gym for long periods of time. But uh, as I, you know, progressed in the, uh, you know, over the years, I kind of realized that it's important to uh, present yourself in a, a certain manner uh, just to be able to command respect from, you know, whoever's around you and uh, let people know you're serious about what you're doing. So lately, I'd say within the past year or so, I've been trying to dress nicely wherever I go. Um, and I'm planning to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. And just as far as uh, the second part of your question, man, uh, going back to what I learned from Konchowski, man, just – you know, making sure that players, the easiest things to notice, man, just watching a kid and see how they act, how they treat their teammates. Uh, do they care about their team's success? You know, uh, those are things I really, really look for. And uh, because when you're building a team, you want everyone to get along. That's one of the most underrated parts in team building, you know, is having good team chemistry. And uh, I think that's important, man. I really do. So you're a very, very detail-oriented guy very organized um what, what type of things were you reading uh what type of talent evaluation were you were you emulating when you first got going obviously Corey Pegram the guy who uh ran Vanna Troops I thought he did a great job with his evaluations so uh, I used to always read all his stuff and uh t- Mr. Tinchowski definitely been a huge influence of mine um just with his understanding of you know how to be successful just telling people, you know, how important it is to listen. And he, he always said that the primary, the primary sign of intelligence is the ability to listen. And there's two parts to that. A, the willingness to listen and B, the ability to concentrate. Um, and also, he also says that it's important to set goals because uh, they're like destination. The goal is like a destination. If, if you don't know where you're going today, you'll never get there. And he said it's important to set short-term, intermediate, and long-term goals. So that's what I do. And uh, also, there's no shortcuts. You got to do the work and to make sacrifices to reach success. 
absolutely. What what goes into covering uh, a high school game, and uh, how does that differ from from what you do in your scouting um, showcase events and uh, AU tournament? I think it's pretty much the same all across the board. Uh, look for all the traits I was telling you about earlier in terms of evaluations. Uh, when I scout a high school game, I do try a little bit more to keep accurate stats because I think it's important to to note to note stats, man. I wish we had like advanced stats like they do in college and the pros for high school because I think that would make everyone's job, you know, 10 times easier. And I think maybe in the next five to 10 years, we might, you never know, you know, legit stats, it does a great job in this area. Um, so hopefully they can kind of keep growing and end up, you know, doing stats for everyone. That would be great. But when I'm not keeping stats, obviously, you know, just taking notes on what I see. Uh, it's kind of hard to do both at the same time. But, I mean, I, that's the nature of the beast right now. Uh, do, you, do you have, like, both the rosters written out beforehand? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, before I go to any game, definitely try to find the roster online. If I don't find a roster online, definitely meet up with one of the coaches before the game and get all the info. Uh, like I said, it's a lot easier in high school than in AAU. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just try to gather as much information before the game and be ready when the game starts. What are some of the best events that you've covered and, and what made them great? What set them apart? My favorite events that I've covered have to be the Hoop Group Elite Camps. Future All-American Camp, Elite One, Elite Two. Um, number one, there's crazy bump there. You know, there's ridiculous amount of talent. Like being able to see Jalen Green, Cole Anthony, Khalil Whitney, Scotty Lewis, BJ Boston, guys like that, Terrence Clark, like seeing these guys when they were, you know, rising ninth graders, 10th graders, uh, uh, seeing them play in these camp settings where everyone's coming at the net, you know what I mean? Like, you know, cause there's a lot of media there, you know, everyone's again trying to, wants to highlight tape. So literally game in and game out, people are coming at these guys next. So they have to bring their best every time. And seeing guys like Jalen Green literally just dominate uh, throughout the duration of a camp, man, there's really nothing like it, man. And also just just the energy that's at these camps, man, it's just ridiculous, man. These kids, they work so hard, man. They, they do early bird workouts at like 5, 6 a.m. And by the time, you know, uh, the last game set is over, it's probably like 8, 9 o'clock. So these guys are in the gym for maybe 10 hours a day, not including lunch, you know, and nap time and all that. But just seeing how hard these kids work, you know, to gain exposure – and working with the media team there is always a lot of fun, too. So uh, there's really nothing like it, man. And even the local kids that came up, uh, like the Justin Lewis's, uh, the uh, Ryan Conway's, the uh, Henry Coleman's, Mark Williams, seeing all these kids grow up at these events is just it's priceless, man. It really is. What sets the uh, – this is the question I've asked all of my podcast guests. Uh, what, what sets DMV basketball apart um, from the rest of the country? Yeah, I think this is a cliche answer. Everyone's kind of using it, but I have to use it. It's got to be the coaching, man. It's great minds all the way around, man. Literally everywhere you look, which is why I don't like to kind of to rank the coaches because I think they're all great in their own right. And I think the impact that they have on these kids is tremendous. Um, also, there's a lot of camaraderie in this area, uh, especially between the players. A lot of these kids end up knowing each other, you know, from elementary school, through middle school, all the way up to high school, and even into college. Um, so a lot of these kids have been playing together forever, and they just they all know each other, which I think is really unique. Absolutely. Let's 
do some quick hitters real quick. The, who's the first player you thought that would blow up um, that no one knew about that, that did? Uh, I think it would have to be Luca Garza, man, from Murray. Watching him at the Sleepy Thompson tournament and at the DMV Elite 80. Uh, he was, was it his senior year? No, nah, this was, I think, before his junior year, right after his sophomore year. Okay. And he was – when you look at him now and you looked at pictures of him from back then, it's completely different. He – right now, he, he looks freaking phenomenal, bro. He's ripped up. Like, but back in the days, no, nah, he, he, was, he was a lot heavy. He was more heavy set. Okay. Um, but the thing I really always liked about Luca is his, his motor. His motor is nonstop, and he's relentless. Um, and also, he's very skilled, too. He's always had great footwork. Always had great touch. He's always been a great shooter. Um, but I think that, in conjunction with the development of his body, has really like elevated his game a lot. I think his body has just the transformation of his body has definitely made a huge difference in his game. Absolutely. And to be, go ahead. To be to be fair, Iowa. When I first started watching him, he only had one offer, and that was from Iowa. And guess what? He ended up going there and killing it. And before he did commit to Iowa, he ended up getting maybe like 20 or 30 offers. Yeah, so he did blow up. Gotcha. Who was, who's been uh, – who's some of the most fun players that, that you've covered? I think the most fun player is probably Justin Lewis, man, uh, from Pauly. This guy, every, to every game you go to, he's going to put on a show no matter what. Um, he'll dunk on you. He'll pin your shot against the glass. He'll cross you over and hit a step back. There's nothing in his game. There's nothing that he can't do, literally. And uh, what does he win? Three state championships? No, I think he won two his first freshman year. He was at Calvert Hall. But just just uh, just watching Justin at some game, like some of these games where you know it's completely packed. I've seen him play uh, playoff games at schools like Potomac, where it's just packed, and uh, St. Charles, and. When he catches a dunk, man, and the whole gym just goes quiet, man. There's not really like there's not really too many uh, events like it, man. It's it's incredible to watch him play, man. It really is. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with one. Um, <laughs> who's a who's a college assistant coach that no one knows about right now that you think can can be a great college coach one day? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Ooh, college assistant that can be a great college. Does it have to be a, a D D one coach or nah, can it, be? it can be whatever level? Ooh, I, you know what? I'm going to go with my guy, Dave Maturo. I don't know if you know him. He coaches at Randolph-Macon. Okay. Uh, he's a grinder, man. I see him everywhere, literally. Uh, they're based out of Richmond, but they do a great job, I think, recruiting the Maryland area. They've gotten players like Buzz Anthony, uh, who was at Archbishop Spalding, uh, and he's been a great player for them. Uh, they got a guy, Miles Mallory, who I thought was a scholarship-level player. Uh, he was at St. Vincent Pilate a couple years back. Um, and I think a big part of uh, that program's success at Randolph-Macon has been Dave Maturo. Just his diligence, man. This guy's literally everywhere. He's building relationships. And uh, they do a great job building that, that program. Awesome. I'm going to hit you with, with two more quick hitters that, that I didn't tell you about in advance because I, I wanted to see what you said. <laughs> uh, give me your top three Twitter follows. Ooh. Top three Twitter follows. Doesn't Does it have, have to be basketball related? Okay. Hold on, man. That's a tough, man. That's really tough. Uh, 
top three Twitter followers. I mean, obviously Marcus Helton. Yeah. Marcus is like the funniest dude on Twitter. <laughs> but he also definitely, you know, spits out useful information, you yeah. know, not just about basketball. He spits out useful information about everything. And I, I really like following that. Um, so he's got to be in there. He mixes in some funny content with his kids too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I enjoy watching – I enjoy following Jake in the paint. Okay. I, I like some of his – I love, like, looking at his takes, you know, about the NBA draft and things like that. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, this is really hard to just pick three. <laughs> um and the third would probably be as I'm scrolling down my timeline. <laughs> third would probably be uh, this is hard. Joseph Gill from uh, Mercy Analytic met this guy in uh, Minneapolis for the Final Four. Oh, Joe! Yeah, Mercy. Yeah. yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's always spitting out facts, so uh, not just about basketball either. So deep dive, deep deep dive, NBA stat facts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love when like there's like an argument on Twitter that's that NBA Twitter that's happening, and then he comes out of nowhere with some stat, and you're just like, yeah, that's exactly what we need. Dude, right he now. breaks it down. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't play no games either. That's my man. All right. Uh, Last thing is uh, I want you to put together a 10-man team of the most underrated kids in the area. Let's hear what you got. So the, the 10 players I picked are all in the class of 2021 because I don't think it's right to call a kid underrated if he's only played one year or two years of high school basketball. I think you have to have a, a bit of stronger body of work to be called right. underrated. Gotcha. So they're all from the 2021 class. Right. Um, and I tried to do my best uh, – in terms of diversifying it between Maryland and Virginia okay. and DC. So obviously two players at every position. So the point guards I picked, Mike Aiken from Thurgood Marshall and Cole Hannon from Bullis, both undersized, relatively undersized players. Uh, both play the game the right way. Both make guys around them better. And they both defend, which I really like. Uh, you gotta have point guards that do all of that. Um, Shooting guards, Jack Taylor from George Marshall uh, and Greg Spurlock from Rockridge. Spurlock is more of a combo guard. Nothing wrong with putting him on the ball and letting Cole uh, play off the ball and things like that. I just like the idea of having him there to, as like a secondary playmaker. Jack Taylor, great shooter, uh, good athlete, also a really good passer. Uh, passing is one of my favorite attributes. I think it's an underrated skill. And uh, the first four guys I mentioned, I'll do that at a high level. At the three spot, we're going to go with Barry Evans from Oakland Mills. Not too many people know about this kid. He's a 6'6 wing. I think when he started his freshman year of high school, he was 5'8", 5'9". Grew up playing the point guard position, so he's got a lot of skills. Left-handed, has a lot of wiggle. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Barry Evans. Pretty much top five in Howard County in every step. Um, Second small forward, I had Mohamed Torre from Sandy Spring. Very rangy athlete, six foot five. Uh, shoots the ball really well, which I like. Uh, plays with a great motor. So I had to have Torre on there. Mm -hmm. uh, power forwards, I'm going to go with Aaron Lewis from Landham Christian School. Uh, 
long and athletic, stretch, stretch big. You can also go inside. You can face up. Uh, good shot blocker, good defender, good rebounder. And then Tyrell Harris is my other power forward. He goes to Potomac in Virginia. And Tyrell, uh, incredible, incredible team player. One of the best charge takers I've seen. Like, great at selling contact. Uh, and on the other end, on the offensive end, he has a really nice mid-range game. Anything inside 10, 15 feet, he's pretty much automatic. He can pull up on a dime, which I really like. Uh, and he's athletic, so he can catch lobs, putbacks, things like that. Mm-hmm. And at the five spot, I'm not going to go too tall. I'm going to go with uh, Dauda Dembele from Springbrook. I know you know who he is. He's Your a man. beast. He's a beast, <laughs> man. And uh, the one thing I like about him is his versatility. He can move his feet. He's not, he's not you know, a plotter at all. You know, he's lateral quickness. He's switching. He's long. He's active. Uh, and he's a force, man. He really is a force. He plays team stat with uh, Bobby. Yes. Yes. And they, they have a great team. Um, obviously, with Jao Tuka, Bobby, all underrated players as well. What circuit yeah. are they on? Uh, they play on the hoop group circuit, I believe. Great circuit, man, for uh, non-sneaker teams. Gotcha. And the second center, Jack Jensen from PVI. I love his versatility. I love his effort. I love his energy. Um, and I think he's still going to keep growing, man. His brother's six foot ten. Jack, when he when I first started watching Jack, he was like six four. Now he's like six eight. So it's gonna be interesting to see how much more he grows in the future. Gotcha. Two two last questions. I'm I'm really excited for this last one. I, <laughs> I want to start a, a a section where we talk about local eats. So give me give me an underrated food spot that no one knows about in your area. In my area, or just in the DMV in general. DMV in general, whatever. whatever uh, wow. Shoot. <laughs> There's a spot in Arlington that I go to um, whenever I meet with one of my friends who's in the coaching industry. It's called uh, Tupelo Honey Cafe. It's in Arlington. It's, it's a really nice cafe. Uh, it's not too expensive, but they have high-quality food, so I really like that. Mm-hmm. Another spot that I go to in Georgetown, if you want a good burger, uh, I go to a Good Stuff Eatery. A little bit on the expensive side, but uh, the burger and their milkshakes are really on point there. Um, I like going to Potomac Pizza in uh, Montgomery County uh, in Potomac, actually. Um, They have great pizza, dude. It's freaking awesome. Uh, And there's a barbecue spot called Rocklands. Uh, They have a a food truck, I think, in Bethesda somewhere. But they also have a restaurant in D.C. I think it's a really good barbecue spot that I like going to. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bunch of good spots. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This area is great for food. It is. It is. Um, so my last question is uh, kind of where, where do you want to be uh, eventually one day? What's kind of the end goal for you? Obviously, uh, we've talked off the air. I want to get into the, the NBA somewhere in a front office. And uh, whether that means getting my foot in the door as, you know, in the G League as an intern, rebounding the ball, picking up trash, bringing in coffee, doesn't matter. Uh, I just want to show people that I'm diligent and uh, I can learn on the fly. And, you know, I just want to want that opportunity. And I hopefully uh, one day can get to my, my ultimate goal of, you know, working in an NBA front office. Awesome. All right. Well, I always give my guests the, the floor for, for a minute or two if there's something that, that they want to get off their chest. Or if you got a question for me, uh, go ahead if you got something. Yeah, well, first, obviously, thank you for, you know, what you're doing. I think this is a great, you know, platform to uh, 
you know, get to know people outside of basketball. Uh, so I commend you on doing that. Appreciate it. And uh, second of all, what I want people to know is uh, even if I don't ever get to, you know, reach my ultimate goal, uh, you know, obviously life is short, man. And I don't want to get too, like, emotional about this, but, like, life is all about making an impact on other people. That's the way I see it. And I think over the years I've made uh, an impact in, you know, several people's lives. And the reason why I say this is because I get messages all the time. You know, after a kid commits to college, uh, they'll thank me, you know, for whatever I've done. Um, and there's no, there's no better feeling than that. Let me tell you, when you get a text from a kid that, uh, that you believed in, you know, from the beginning, and uh, maybe they didn't believe in themselves, and they, they hit you with that thank you message, that's the best feeling in the world. So even if I don't, like, let's say, heaven forbid I died tomorrow, bro, like, I would die happy because I know I made a difference in people's lives, you know? And before I was doing this full time, working in property management, I can't say that I was making much of a difference. Yeah. Impact is huge. And, and you definitely, yeah. definitely have made an impact for sure. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? Or? That's it, my man. Appreciate you. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. You take care and I'll stay safe. You too.